Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Fay. I started the Not A Mommy Yet blog and this podcast because I've always known I want to be a parent one day, and you might be listening because you feel the same. You may have also heard people with kids say things like, I wish I had known this before I had kids, or I wish I had done that. Hearing those comments made me think about the parts of my life I want to spend more time focusing on before I have kids in ways that will benefit me as a parent. So I started a list of people who can teach me about health, money, relationships, psychology, and more, and started interviewing them, and this podcast was born. Whether you plan to have kids or not, I think you'll find something interesting in this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy, subscribe, and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, Caroline. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Thank nice you. to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the Not A Mama Yet podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Um, I first met you back at Soho House when we had an ev- you had an event there talking about with your founders about the Tia Clinic. And I thought it was such a great idea. Congratulations on the launch. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to hear it's really busy. Um, so Tia, for those of you out there who haven't heard of it, is a modern medical home for anyone with a uterus here in New York City, where we can get integrated gynecology, wellness, and primary care under one roof and one health record which is a game changer, and we'll get into that later. Um, But first, I just wanted to talk to you more about your journey and to that aha moment where you decided to start developing a place like Tia, um, because it's obviously total necessity for women. Um, So you mentioned that you had left Google, um, and you were kind of dealing with some personal health, health issues that led you to discover you had PCOS. So what was that kind of experience like? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, like many other young women, moved to New York after college. Actually, moved to San Francisco first, and then moved to New York. So, mm-hmm. been doing the, you know, bi-coastal or nomadic thing for mm-hmm. a long time, which is something we think a lot about for young women who are, you know, switching jobs on average every one to two years, insurance plans, mm-hmm. moving across the country or around the world. Sort of a lot of those experiences, I think, inform how we think about a new model at TIA. Um, but anyway. Um, through that experience, um, living in New York in my early twenties, mm-hmm. uh, trying to make it and all that stuff, uh, went through a really frustrating PCOS diagnosis process. Uh, and a sort of the short version is it took me three years to get diagnosed. One in 10 women have this thing. I never heard of it at the time actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically fought my way to get this proper diagnosis from a fertility specialist, ultimately really diagnosed myself. And then like, was like, I know I have this thing, please tell me, validate this. And mm-hmm. then was, you know, told here some advocate yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and um you know had scoured the depths of the internet and Mm -hmm. self-help forums and all these sorts of things trying to connect the dots between disparate symptoms I was experiencing that you know I had gone to countless doctors gynecologists naturopaths you know uh dermatologists fertility specialists each who were diagnosing a symptom and failing to connect the dots so this is a sort of a kind of a textbook story that I think a lot of women feel when or have experience when it comes to trying to advocate mm-hmm. for themselves in the healthcare system, whether yeah. it's to get a diagnosis for a chronic condition like PCOS or endometriosis mm-hmm. or a mental health issue or all, a whole array of issues that women face that are all too often um, fall through the cracks in the healthcare system as a yeah, result of a lot of things. the doctors aren't talking to each other. Exactly, exactly. So that's, you know, that experience really exposed me, you know, three problems or I really, uh, 
sort of sought to solve with Tia. One was the fragmentation, just the nature of like women have more complex and different healthcare needs than men and therefore have to go to all these different doctors and don't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes it really, really hard to navigate. Second, um, the lack of personalization, sort of the feeling of we get one size fits all healthcare, um, which makes it, um, I think, prevents women from getting or staying healthy in many ways and sort of mistreating them, misdiagnosing them, et cetera. Um, and again, adds the you know, speaks to the complexity of, of you know women's healthcare uh, and women's needs. And then third is something I'm particularly passionate about, which is called like the lack of soul in medicine or uh, the lack of relationship based care. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about the sort of fragmentation of specialty based medicine, as well as you know the rise of a lot of new telehealth solutions and diagnostic tests and sort of one off point solutions, as I call them. In many ways, a lot of these tools, in, in my opinion, have uh, increased the fragmentation or further commoditized women's healthcare, and women mm-hmm. are trying to connect the dots between all these things. Right. Um, and our core thesis at TIA is that women want someone, not something, to manage their health. Yeah. Uh, and they want that to be a person. And we yeah. use technology, experience, design, all sorts of different things to reinstill the relationship between a patient and her provider um, and are aiming to be that go-to trusted source for women uh, to make healthcare decisions for themselves, big and small, throughout their reproductive life. Right. That's amazing. Um, and so when you were going through all of that and kind of getting to that aha moment, what was that moment? Like with you and your founder, did you approach her or how did that work? So I didn't, I don't know if I had an aha moment mm-hmm. as it was, I would say it was like a, a, a lot of like breadcrumb moments yeah. <laughs> that kind of eventually got me to jump out of the airplane, so to speak. And I originally started tea by myself okay. um, and then Felicity, my co-founder, joined me about nine months in, um, when I moved back to San Francisco, moved in with her, and it was just kind of serendipitous yeah. that she ended up joining me. Um, it's kind of that dream partner that was right under my nose, but I didn't right. think about it because people tell you not to start a company with your best friend, um, <laughs> but we did it anyway. Um, but I, And again, I, I had an inkling, I had an insight that women want someone, not something to manage their health. Right. My background is in brand and design, spent a lot of time sort of building brands and was looking at the market and was like, you know, all these things are happening in women's healthcare. The space is starting to explode. This yeah. is really exciting, but there's no like go-to trusted brand. So like, I don't know exactly what I want to build yet. I don't know. There's so many problems here. I don't know exactly which one I'm, yeah. you know, going to solve. But I want to start. And I just kind of started. That's um, the best thing to do. Yes, and you know, I would, had been working at Google, working a lot on search in the Google Assistant, and so I started, you know, looking at the space and saying, well, women's healthcare. The problem problems in women's healthcare starts with bad information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, maybe, you know, in a very googly fashion, like mm-hmm. build an information product that gives women better, more you know, private, personalized, evidence-based answers to their healthcare questions. I'd been googling my health, for lack of better word, um, and and all else will follow. And so right. that was sort of the first product we built, which was the mm-hmm. uh, women's health advisor, which is still a cornerstone of our of our platform. Um, but that's sort of where I started, and just right. kind of what I found through that product was that. Um, so I really validated my thesis that women want someone, not something to manage their health. We yeah. built, created a character named Tia and she had a very particular voice and tone and identity that women really connected with and trusted. Mm. And her superpower above all else was making women feel heard. Um, and as a result, women were turning to Tia time and time again for guidance mm-hmm. um, what and were some translation. Of the questions that they um, were? Started with more sort of simple stuff like, I miss my birth control pill, what do I do? And how we right. validate that. We were really interested in validating sort of text messaging as a form factor to have these types of conversations with women outside of the clinical care context. 
Um, but they would escalate to much more complex uh, questions. And I think another aha moment, and going back to sort of the series of breadcrumbs for me, mm-hmm. I'll tell you sort of two more aha moments that led to where we are today. Um, one was we started, I was initially very focused on specifically sexual reproductive health and saying like we want, you know, grew up in a family that was very involved and passionate about Planned Parenthood. It's kind of in my blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of the space that I was looking to play in. But we would answer basic reproductive health care questions, and then they would lead to all these other questions that were outside of the confines of reproductive health, whether they were mental health or about relationships or pleasure. I mean, in all, you know, a whole skin, like you yeah. name it. Yeah. And what it said to me was like, what is women's health? Like, is women's health gynecology? No, is women's health mental health? Is women's health like migraines? Is women's health sex? Is what is it? Um, and women, I don't think put their health in different boxes. It's just you're like I'm a body of a per- I'm a person. I have feelings. Yeah. I have like you know pains and like whatever. And I'm just like a body and a person. And and I want someone to like think of me as a whole person. Yeah. Um, and so I think one of the bigger things we're trying to do with TNA, particularly as we get as we're now in the world of clinical services, is how do we break down these sort of silos of medicine mm-hmm. that force women to put their 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 health and their questions in different boxes? And we were like, oh, you can't ask us a mental health question. It's like, well, like why? Yeah. Um, we weren't at the time, you know, we weren't uniquely suited to answer that stuff. And it's a very fine line because and we're something we're continuing to struggle with today is like. You can't do everything, so you have to draw the line somewhere. Right. Um, and for us, we'll forever be sort of evolving and hopefully expanding our scope of practice over time and spend a lot of time really thinking through what are those initial set of services we will offer on day one and how do we expand from there. But I will tell you that women want it all. They want one place to go. Right. Uh, online, offline, that thinks about all of their health. Yeah. Uh, was, when I was thinking about this, I was even thinking, you know, like, in the future, it'd be cool to have a pediatrician. People then, ask us about that all the time. And yeah. we don't we don't do pregnancy or have like OBs yet. We do oh, just gynecology. Okay. Um, we'll do sort of prenatal and postpartum care, but don't actually do OBs or deliver yet. Yeah. Um, have a lot of demand for it, as you might expect. But yeah, maybe uh, not delivery, but you know, the like I was talking to my sister-in-law who's a mom. And she has to go to one doctor for one thing and then another doctor for her son. And then so it would be easy for a woman to just go to one place. Totally. We hear book we, all of her appointments. They're like, yeah, if the OB into peds makes yeah. us so much sense um, for that reason. That would be so awesome. So it's a thing that, <laughs> you know, one day we're far away from that. But you're right. Like yeah. the insight is that women want one place to go. And yes, there's the convenience factor of like, mm. this is really annoying. I have to book four doctor's appointments and, you know, leave work four times. And that's right. part of it. But I think the thing that's harder, like it's easier to build like a medical center for lack of a better word mm-hmm. and like put, put a bunch of doctors, specialists like under one roof, like that or, you know, one, you know, billing system. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's been done. You know, that's int- that solves somewhat of the problem from a convenience perspective, but what's much, much harder is to get those doctors to actually work together totally. to get them to actually think about yeah. you as like a, a whole patient. Mm-hmm. And that's much more of like the Mayo Clinic model. Um, and that's something we're really passionate about over time and um, already today do that with our gynecologists and naturopathic doctors and acupuncturists that work together at T and think about, uh, we call it like cross-pollination. Yeah. Um, like how do you enable that to happen between providers who are intended to think, we call them, you know, work as your TIA care team, mm-hmm. um, not an independent provider that's there to treat a put, um, their patients. So do you see the same doctor every time you go? 
if you're going to see the OB, I mean the gynecologist? Not necessarily. Okay. Um, you can. Um, that's something we will, you know, enable if you would like. Right. But the thesis is that really women have a core relationship with TIA versus right. any single provider in the TIA clinic yeah. who all share data, share notes, work together as a team to treat you. Yeah. Um, and so if you were to go to, you know, the TIA clinic in New York or eventually the TIA clinic in LA or wherever mm-hmm. it is, you'd have sort of continuity of care yeah. across our provider team. And that's nice too because theoretically, you know, for the women who are changing jobs or mm-hmm. traveling, to be able to go to those different clinics when they're on the move exactly. is really nice too. Yeah. Um, Going back to the nomadic you know, young exactly. woman um, who's switching insurance plans or jobs were really designed for her. Yeah. And do you help um, women navigate insurance? Because oh, there's man. so many so, yes. nuances. It's just so hard to understand the different rules. Absolutely. Um, so talk a little bit about what we do today and the mm-hmm. problems we're facing ourselves and where we hope to go. Um, we realized, I mean, everyone, anyone knows who's anyone, like who's, you know, been an adult, had an insurance car, knows how complicated insurance is. And um, again, going back to sort of like initial T app days, we were were inundated with with those types of insurance questions. Mm -hmm. Women messaging to get the gynecologist, why do I have a copay? What is a copay? What's a deductible? Mm -hmm. Out of pocket? Like, what does that mean? Um, It's super complicated. Mm -hmm. People don't know the difference between a PPO and an HMO and how to choose an insurance plan if you're buying one on the exchange, all of this stuff. So we actually, um, last year for open enrollment, built a tool we called the Vagina Benefits, uh-huh. uh, and it's still live at www.vaginabenefits.com. You can go there and actually see. Uh, it was a tool we launched around open enrollment to try and get more women insured. One in five millennial women are uninsured. And our whole view is that insurance is actually the key, while a huge pain point to unlocking all these preventive health care services that are core and covered for women, mm-hmm. 100% under the Affordable Care Act. So things like your well-woman exam, STI testing, birth control, mammograms, um, a whole array of things are covered 100% without copay by law under every single insurance plan, including Medicaid. So how do you even understand that? Like, um, and so we try to be built this tool that's basically showing you like the cost of having a vagina with and without insurance and what these things would cost right. with insurance with, with and without. And then sort of how these laws are uh, under attack really on a state-by-state basis and mm-hmm. how do things like the rolling back of the birth control mandate, um, you know, that Trump did last year affect things like that in coverage and all of that. So that was like our first foray into helping That's women awesome. navigate insurance. Uh, the second now that we're actually, you know, in care delivery and we take insurance at the TIA clinic for all of our gynecology and primary care services, we were inundated with our own set of insurance questions and trying to help women understand, I have Anthem, but this blue, silver plus PPO2 plan, what does that mean? <laughs> um, and now I have, I mean, I have an enormous amount of empathy for patients and also providers, like the amount of times we have to go to patients and say, I think this is covered, but I don't actually know, Yeah, is crazy. Yeah. Um, and it speaks to a few issues that I think we're really passionate and eager to solve over time, but don't pretend to have the silver bullet solutions around right now, which are one, tra- price transparency. Um, that's something we do really focus on today. Um, even just telling people how much something costs before they show up. We have a published a transparent price list for sort of cash pay, uh, cash pay or uh, you know, out-of-network patients who may mm-hmm. come to the TIA clinic and how much – so they know how much a well-woman exam or UTI, you know, yeah, screen, whatever you would, would cost. Yeah, you never find that anywhere else. Um, before you show <laughs> up. Um, 
So doing, we do things like that. Um, but over time, you know, we aim to be able to sort of validate your specific plan and help mm-hmm. you understand your copay and deductible and all these things. So those are the dreams. But those tools are it, – it's, it's a super hard problem. Um, the second, you know, related to price transparency is helping women really educate them on the finances of health. I think if you think about planning and sort of budgeting for your health, we do that for all these other areas of our life, but we don't really right. do that for our health. And I think that's a really important thing that – is we need to do for women in order to plan. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that comes down to helping women understand the difference between things that are covered and not, but also that cover doesn't mean free. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important thing. I feel super strongly about, you know, birth control should be a hundred percent covered. Your IUD should be a hundred percent covered, but it doesn't make it free. Yeah. Um, and it's important for women to know that it costs us a thousand dollars to store that device you know, at the TIA clinic before, you know, you can get it um, for them to value and understand what we do or any other provider. And I think that for thinking about women's sort of role in advocating for healthcare policy and reproductive rights and things like that more broadly, understanding the cost of care is key to ensuring, you know, uh, knowing the risks at stake when, when a lot of those policies around access are threatened. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just, yeah, the most confusing thing. When I go see doctors, of course, you never get prices. I don't even know if doctors know the price they of their typically. services. Well, it's, it's, there's a thousand, now that I'm on the other side, I can tell you that they oftentimes don't. Um, the reason being there isn't always a price right. um, because the insurance companies tell the doctor how much they'll pay. And that can vary insurance plan to insurance plan. Right. So it's very complex. I think we've taken the stake that we want to set prices um and you know that we hope the insurance companies pay for pay us at those set prices but they might not but we're setting at least from a transparency perspective we're making those prices clear to the customer to our patients rather um and particularly for out of network and uninsured patients that's a real way to help them understand and prepare before they show up that's so valuable um because you so you can budget for it because that is the problem why we don't why we probably can't budget for it right now is because we don't even know how much to budget I get you know I'll get bills from doctors after the insurance takes out whatever they're going to cover and it's always a a random amount it's never really consistent yeah so I'm really glad that you're helping women figure that out and you're being transparent about it that's awesome um I wanted to talk about cycle connected care because I think that is the coolest thing about all of this for somebody who's getting into just like learning about my cycle and really educating myself in the past few months about the phases of it and how it affects my daily life and my body and how I feel and everything. Um, so what kind of, how did that develop and, and how does it kind of play a role in Tia? Yeah. So you'll he- start to hear a theme here, which was we saw women do this thing right. and then we're like, oh my God, aha moment, we should build this. Right. So the premise of cycle connected care really came from that through that sort of same trajectory as well. Um, initially, sort of the Tia app was basically a Q&A tool, but we found women um, turning t- to Tia to interpret their other cycle trackers. They'd be like, hey, Tia, my ex tracker is telling me I'm ovulating. I'm on birth control. I'm confused. Or like, you know, you know, why do I have, you know, you know, anxiety or why am I bloated or why am I this? Why am I that? And that said to us sort of led to another insight that mm-hmm. is core to our care model. Um, women want to know why, not just what. Um, We talk a lot about body literacy as sort of the foundational pillar of, you know, patient advocacy and helping women be healthier. Um, And so we that sort of those insights initially led us to build 
our own cycle health and wellness tracker. You can track, yes, your period, but a whole array of related, you know, physical or emotional mental symptoms um, and, and broader sort of health and wellness things from mm-hmm. gut health to your sleep to anxiety, stress, headaches, you name it. Pain with sex, um, a whole array of stuff. Um, but then we also heard from women time and time again, I don't know if you've ever done this, um, how annoying it is to go to the doctor um, and being asked for the, you know, upteenth time, like, when did your last period start? Yeah. Or like, how bad were your cramps really? Um, like, wait, was it really bad or like really bad? And and them being very frustrated by like oftentimes having a lot of this data locked in their phone and trying to put shove their phone in their doctor's face. And their doctor's like, what am I supposed to do with this? I have to like run to the next appointment. Right. So we thought like, this is crazy. Tens of millions of women around the world track all of this self-report, this really valuable data that we believe is powerful, uh, can be a powerful way to, to better diagnose women and paint a, I would say, more comprehensive picture of a female's health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in the theme of patient advocacy, helping women really, you know, say, I am having serious pelvic pain. This isn't like, you know, bad cramps. Like there's something wrong here. This is another tool in the toolkit we're equipping our patients with to really advocate for themselves in a care context. So that was the basis, basis of cycle-connected care, mm-hmm. a cycle tracker that you can actually share with your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the TIA clinic, to give you a sense of how that works, is you can track all this stuff in the TIA app. And when you show up for your appointment, um, your health record, which you also complete on your phone and you control as well, and that cycle data is shared with your care team beforehand and visualized on a third screen. Think of it as like a TV screen in your exam room. You can actually look at this longitudinal data with your provider. Uh, and it's intended to be a... Um, a point of discussion to really spark a conversation about why your headaches may be, you know, be triggered around ovulation or before your period, or mm-hmm. maybe like we notice that your anxiety spikes when you're drinking more caffeine or not sleeping enough. Um, and the goal is to, you know, is um, we have a few goals here. One is it's in service of body literacy and helping women understand why, not just what, why things happen, not just like, um, you know, I have really a really bad migraine today. Uh, the second is, you know, we hope over time that this can lead to more, you know, better health outcomes and diagnoses for women, particularly for things that are difficult to diagnose. So we're in the super early days there, but we're excited about how this data may help um, providers equip them yeah. with data that they don't have. It's more powerful than recall, as we say. Um, and then the third, it's it's um, a basis for, you know, think about that after that appointment to actually evaluate changes. You know, we talk about you design your own care plan with your doctor at TIA as well. That's sort of the third component of the experience. And let's say you recommend acupuncture and potentially this sort of, you know, a drug when your migraines are super bad or what have you, and maybe dietary changes or changes to your sleep. And we can actually monitor how these interventions uh, may hopefully right. impact your and help you improve your health or, or the things you've been complaining about. Um, so those are the things we're excited about with this this you know premise of actually taking this self-reported data and bringing it to life in the clinical context in service of that better patient-provider relationship. Right. And this is springboard um, for a powerful uh, discussion about your health. Yeah, and I think that definitely would empower, or at least for me, it would feel more empowering to be able to show the doctor, like, I tracked this as opposed to just kind of think from memory, oh, did I sleep better? Have I been doing those changes? You know, actually having it on paper, so to speak, but to see it with your doctor yeah. to discuss it is such a 
so different totally. than any experience you have now. Totally. If you, we know even for, for really serious things like endometriosis or fibroids, there's very specific clinical mm-hmm. uh, diagnostic criteria around the frequency and severity of pain a patient must report in order to be diagnosed. It's really hard. Like you need at least three months or three cycles worth of data for a doctor to be like, this is you know, actually it's one way that they, you know, diagnose women with these types of things. And it's super hard to be like, well, three months ago, two days before my period, I felt mm-hmm. that, like, who knows that? Like, right. I don't remember what, how I slept last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we're often recommending more of these analog tools, like, you know, food diaries or, you know, yeah. whatever diaries types of thing. And, the, you know, yeah, we have these digital tools. They're just not, um, haven't been built to date to really connect to care. And that's really what, we're trying to do at TIA is build all sorts of, you know, different products, tools, services for women that extend care outside of that 20 minute appointment Mm -hmm. um, and allow you to have um, a continuous relationship with your provider. Right. Yeah. I mean, the chances of me writing it down are slim to none. I mean, I've tried so many times to have a food diary and it has never worked. Yeah. But when it comes to an app and having it on my phone, it's a lot easier to track those things. Um, so yeah, so you've kind of gone, gone through the goals, but, um, of the clinic by, you know, reacting as opposed, I mean, preventing as opposed to reacting, which I really think women for the most part were in that preventative health mental space, as opposed to waiting for something to happen. We're trying to make sure we're just healthy at all times. So that's an awesome point that, that you guys are focusing on. Um, so for the experience for the patient, so it's a membership-based um, clinics, right? So how does that work? Yeah, so we it is a membership-based model for, for a few reasons. It's yeah. $15 a month, so like similar to what you pay for Netflix or Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, and that covers perks that go beyond what your insurance covers and um, what a dip, typical doctor's office offers. So it pays for cycle sharing, chat with the doctor and your TIA care team, um, same weekend, same week appointments, early morning, evening, and weekends, um, as well as uh, sort of community programming events that we do for um, our members um, that are really about more around education, body literacy, sparking conversation, and health through community, which is a, is another key way we really think about helping women achieve behavior mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do in the context of a 20-minute appointment. So that's, um, it covers sort of those sort of benefits, and then you can put your insurance to work, the TIA clinic for your basic services. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit how it works. Cool. I love that you guys do community events. I was going to ask you if you do anything like that, because that is, obviously, I've never been to a community event with fellow patients at my doctor's office. <laughs> yeah, so other sort of insights. We know that women want both, you know, highly personalized care, mm-hmm. particularly when it's with a doctor. It's like my pelvic pain, my migraines, my family history of, you know, postpartum depression, like I want to know like my DNA, you know, I want the personalized care where it's all about me. Um, We also know that women want to connect with other women in the context of their health. Um, Storytelling and sharing is a huge thing we've seen, Mm -hmm. where I'm particularly passionate about. But take even a simple decision like choosing a birth control method. How many times have you talked to your, like texted your group friend chat about which IUD to get or do I really need to take the day off work? Um, Think about more complex decisions like should I freeze my eggs or, you know, things like that. Or, you know, what remedy should I use for like, you know, really bad PMDD. Like we know women want personalized care and community. And so we're um, building a model that really enables both. Um, I'm particularly excited about this when it comes to sort of this idea of like support groups for women with chronic conditions, whether that's endometriosis or a history of sexual trauma. 
um, all sorts of things like that. And we're really innovating on sort of our wellness, cash-based wellness service offering, which are tend to be more expensive services that mm-hmm. insurance unfortunately doesn't cover for the most part. So we do things like community acupuncture, where you can get acupuncture in a room with four, three other women. So it's four of you instead of one of you. They're sort of like rolling appointments mm-hmm. um, for thirty-five dollars, wow, uh, which is way, one way we're making these types of services more affordable. Um, that a lot of women want to be sort of a frequent activity they do in the in the context of their health. Uh, last this week, we actually started our first uh, eight-week-long mm-hmm. workshop with our naturopathic doctor. This one is on optimizing gut health. Um, oh, cool! So that one was sort of voted on by our users. So it's eight weeks, fifteen women. Um, guided by a naturopathic doctor who tends to be pretty expensive to see. So it's a way we're both bringing the cost of some of these services down and making them more accessible to other women. But also, really, we know that there's tons of research out there to support that women de-stress and really, you know, from a chemical perspective, deactivate their stress pathways in a community of other women. It's one way that women uh, react and handle stress differently than men, which is super interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of accountability in communities is... um, those two things go hand in hand. When you set a goal and tell someone about it, you're more likely to commit to that goal, whether it's making a, you know, a dietary change in your life or changing your sleep habits or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another reason. And then third, sort of that sort of more healing community storytelling, sharing component um, about the female experience is something we see so many women really eager to seek out at TIA and having it be a safe space that supports that is a really a thing I'm super proud of. Yeah. And just impa- like educating the women on these things by having you know the, those court the eight week course that's by far like I mean you're giving them the tools that they need to kind of take their health into their own hands outside of the doctor's office which is amazing. Um, I love that idea though of, of getting women together and it's so interesting that that is how their stress kind yeah. of deactivates it's, by being in a community. It's of other called women. the tend and befriend uh, theory <laughs> by a psychologist named Shelley Taylor at UCLA. Actually, uh-huh. there's a lot of research out there. Our CM, our chief medical officer, is a female stress and hormones expert, so we talk cool. a lot about stress at TIA and yeah. sort of chronic stress in women, not in the like self-care kind of like fluffy way but in the like the serious science behind stress Mm -hmm. which impacts really everything about women's health um, from the rates of dementia and heart disease to anxiety and depression and autoimmune disorders and sort of these stress modulators when we don't get under control are really sort of a serious impact on women's health and well-being yeah well, you clearly have learned a lot about women's health. In this I've learned journey. a lot. <laughs> Still learning. Got to be a sponge. Yeah, totally. Um, it's awesome, though. And so, for the future of the Tia Clinic, what do you kind of see happening outside of New York? Like, what's kind of your goals with that? Yeah. So, this first clinic, in many ways, is um, I, I like to talk about as the concept store for this new care model, but mm-hmm. is a constant iteration, um, and we're forever evolving. Yeah. Listening to our initial cohort of patients on what services they want, what hours they want, you know, what types of community events and support groups, what have you, do they want, um, and really sort of fine-tuning um, the model. And the goal is really to expand this to other markets and to yeah. women, we hope, everywhere. Um, but we're really trying to raise the bar of what women's healthcare should be and really build, build from the ground up um, a new model of care with a patient at the center of it. Um, and you know, I have some ideas, but I can't do it alone. Um, I really like, I'm just one woman. I built, you know, one, I'm a patient, but you're a patient. Everyone's been a patient. Our providers are patients. Right. And we're really about bringing all those diverse experiences.
experiences uh, to the forefront and helping us shape a new model that's inclusive, diverse, and um, accounts for sort of the plethora of women's experiences and hope that the TIA clinic and TIA more broadly can be a platform for making, you know, those voices heard mm-hmm. that are all too often left out of design uh, and in healthcare. So, you know, in five years from now, I think, you know, my dream is, you know, um, TIA can, it is truly that go-to trusted source for women's health online and offline can, you know, tap a woman, 28-year-old woman on the street of New York or LA or Philadelphia or Columbus or wherever, and, and you ask her, you know, any, she, you ask her, you have a UTI, you um, have a chronic migraine, you're, you have a question about insurance, and they're like, oh, I asked Tia, and Tia handles the rest. And whether those are, you know, those patients end up at our own clinics or maybe other partner providers we end up working with one day, I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, we really hope to build tools um, and a platform that empowers patients and providers alike to deliver more, you know, personalized human-centered care. Yeah. I mean, a, a big focus on my blog, I mean, the, pretty much the whole focus is about how I'm, I'm speaking to people who are going to be future parents like myself. So the cool thing about, you know, services like yours and these other new tools that are coming up more and more, especially focused on women's health care, is that we're going to be able to empower our future daughters in ways that like our grandparents and parents just weren't able to because they simply didn't have the tools or access to education in these areas. And so it's amazing what you're doing. I love it. And I think women will be better for it. And I hope you come to LA. <laughs> Lots of fans in LA. So we yes. hope so. We love hearing from where women want us to go. So please let us know. And it, yeah. it seriously informs um, our next move. So for please sure. let us know. Yeah. So for the final round of questions, I ask all of my guests these three questions. So the first one is what mantra or words do you live by? Don't connect the dots forward, connect them backwards. Okay. <laughs> so I think if I will explain the mantra, um, I think I think women in particular, I tend to be a planner actually, but I think when we try and sort of figure out, like I studied this and I want this job and I want three kids and I want to go here and I want to do all these things in my life, we're trying to connect the dots forward and it prevents us from sort of taking risks, from being spontaneous, from you know taking the paths less followed. And I mm-hmm. think if I look at my own life and career trajectory to date, um, nothing seems to make sense going forward, but when you connect the dots backwards, it all makes sense. Definitely. Um, and I think when you sort of allow yourself to sort of venture into the unknown serendipitously, you'll see how things connect that might otherwise not um, that allow you to sort of do amazing things mm-hmm. and experience experiencing things that, you know, no, no amount of planning would ever allow. Yeah. I'm reading Disrupt Her right now by Mickey Agarwal, and there's a chapter on connecting the dots um, and talking about your, instead of a career path, she calls it a lit path, by literally connecting the dots. It'll, like, you'll realize that everything you did, and she starts even from, like, I think a summer job when she was a young girl to where she is now, like, all made sense. And the tools she got from each experience, it just all makes sense. And now, even for myself, looking back, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but, yes, it all makes sense. But I think that's really important. What you're saying is to just not... Like, like try and make sense of it at the time. Like, yeah, exactly. And not try but and But do just make plan, sense plan, of it plan. looking backwards because it's really interesting. It is. It is interesting. Um, I love that. So the second question is, we all know it takes a village to raise kids. So what do you most value in your community of friends and or family who will help you raise your future kids? Or if you're an aunt or a sister, uh, you know, an aunt or a cousin or something where you have young kids around you, what do you most value in that village? 
Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, you're building that community for sure. Yeah. Too, yeah but. I would say into my own internal community mm-hmm. of very close friends and family. I have amazing, I would say, rocks in my life that mm-hmm. I can turn to at my lowest of lows without just kind of like total collapse state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have kids now, but I imagine I will need, I need, I rely on them enormously now if, if Tia is my child. Yeah. If they've been my rock and that I turn to like, never with like feeling like I'm burdening someone or have Mm -hmm. to apologize it's just like you know just the raw honest like yeah here's my here's all the crap um and and those people help like lift you up and make me feel heard and seen and whole um and I can only imagine how important that will be in my life when I hopefully maybe one day have children on my own exactly I mean a startup it's so it's so much so it's awesome that you have that support I mean I've worked for startups I'm working on a startup so it's definitely so valuable mentally rocky yeah Yeah. um you just question everything that you do every day exactly (laughs) um and then finally what qualities do you most admire and hope to instill in your future children curiosity empathy Mm -hmm. and Determination. I think those are all th- three things that, um, if I think of the things good. that I've loved in my life, t- you know, my relatively short life so far, <laughs> um, my sort of happiest, most joy-filled moments in my life are a result of sort of experiences that have those three words mm-hmm. <laughs> involved. So, you know, curiosity leads to, you know, you just sort of become obsessive about people, places, things, projects, ideas, and, um, you know, determination is also key to, like, actually making progress in the world and building something that matters, um, working on something that matters and making you feel fulfilled, and I think empathy is under-recognized as one of the most important um, things for humanity, Um, and for me, is something that brings me the most joy in my life. I love that. Those are three perfect words. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, well, thank you so much, Caroline. Um, in the in the notes, I'll definitely let everyone know where they can find you. But if you want to share, like your handle or anything like that, sure. Um, you can learn about Tia at asktia.com, um, and follow me at Carolyn Witty. That's on my, my sort of handle, I guess. That's the word on mm-hmm. Instagram and Twitter <laughs> and all of that. Um, but yeah, shoot shoot us a note and let us know you want the next Tia clinic to open. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much.